This episode is brought to you in part by Candorel. Coming soon, a luxury master-planned condominium community rising at the corner of Bathurst and St. Clair. Situated directly on the subway and streetcar line, a monument of architecture and interior design, a timeless expression of glamour and grace. Forêt Forest Hill. Register today at live at forêt.ca. That's live at f-o-r-e-t dot c-a. That's what it sounded like Wednesday on the tarmac at Tel Aviv's Ben-Gurion Airport as Israel held a special ceremony to welcome the arrival of a plane carrying 180 Ethiopian Jews. They're being allowed to move to Israel after waiting decades, in some cases, to join families already living in the Jewish state. The special flight's part of what Israel calls Operation Sur Yisrael. Israel's brought in tens of thousands of Ethiopians since the 1980s, first with the so-called Operation Moses and later with Operation Solomon. But these missions stopped over a year ago, partly because of COVID, but also because of court challenges by right-wing groups in Israel concerned about whether the Ethiopians are truly Jewish. A recent court ruling said the airlifts could resume, and so Wednesday's was the first. Now, the Jewish federations in North America pay for a lot of the cost of the operations, and so that's why a handful of Canadian Jewish leaders were in Ethiopia this week and then boarded the plane, sitting beside the happy but also bewildered Ethiopians on the unforgettable journey. The excitement, as you could see Israel outside the window, and I said to her, Yisrael, Yisrael, and we hugged each other and started crying. I will never, ever, ever forget this. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, June the 2nd, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. The CJN Daily caught up with four Canadian Jewish community leaders just hours after the Ethiopian plane landed. We spoke with Ariella Roringer and Sarah Gottlieb of Toronto, who work with Jewish Federation and the United Israel Appeal. And with Candace Quinter, she flew in from Vancouver, where she's chair of the Jewish Federation. And Bruce Lieboff of Toronto wasn't on the rescue flight, but he was at the airport in Israel to greet the plane. He's on the executive of the Jewish Agency for Israel, which helps Jews all over the world, including recently in Ukraine. So coming up, they'll share their stories of praying in primitive dirt synagogues in the African country, then playing stickers with the kids on the plane and making connections despite the language barrier. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Les Rothschild. I'm president of the Canadian Zionist Federation. And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Funeral services were held Wednesday in New Westminster, B.C. for Canadian businessman and philanthropist Joseph Siegel. Siegel was 97. He was a self-made billionaire who once owned the Zellers chain in Canada. But he came from humble beginnings in Vegreville, Alberta. Siegel served in World War II with the Calgary Highlanders, and he was wounded in action. And after the war, he moved to B.C. and began an army surplus business. It later became the Fields Department Stores. He also founded Kingswood Capital and invested in many businesses. He received the Order of B.C. and the Order of Canada, and he was known for giving great advice on both personal and business matters. And together with his wife, Rosalie, the Seagulls funded many causes, including at Simon Fraser University, where the Graduate Business School bears his name and a mental health and addiction center at Vancouver's General Hospital. Siegel survived by his wife, their four children, 11 grandchildren, and a number of great-grandchildren. 
And I'm joined now from their hotel in Israel by Bruce Levoff, Candace Quinter, Sarah Gottlieb, and Ariella Roringer. Start with the person who met the flight. Bruce, what did you do? Where were you? What was it like? First impressions. So look, it was amazing. I mean, we're very aware that Many of these people have been waiting, you know, more than a decade to to make Israel their home, and uh, it was just a privilege. We were waiting in the uh, in the hot sun for about forty five minutes, uh, but it was worth it. Uh, you know, an Ethiopian Airlines jet landed, was brought over for those who are familiar in the area of Terminal One, which is the old terminal, um, and you know, with great drama, they opened the doors and and uh, out they came. It was really it was really moving. And what did they do when they got off? What did you see? I, well, in a couple of cases, there were family members who were there. And of course, a, you know, a teary reunion. And we saw one woman, you know, lower herself to the ground to kiss the ground as she arrived, which was quite something. And uh, what about you, Candace? It's a long way from Vancouver. How, why did you go? Uh, and and what, what were you hoping oh. to do? It was always a dream to um, be part of, of you know, uh, of this type of, of experience, you know, to see these people that have been waiting, some of them decades to, you know, reunite with their families and to what, you know, their parents and grandparents and great grandparents have always told them to, you know, to be in Yerushalayim and to, you know, see them in Ethiopia and in their homes and where they came from. And uh, even yesterday, you know, going to uh, morning service and listening to them all pray and daven, just like we do with the Torah and the, you know, and the men laying to fill. And I mean, it's just, it was extraordinary. I can't even, um, I, I'll start to cry if I, <laughs> if I tell you the, the feelings that are going on in our, in our hearts right now. It's okay. I want to hear feelings. Where was this prayer service being held? Um, well, they have a synagogue and a, what, what we would call a JCC, but it's dirt floors and benches. Um, you know, there's a little what they call Tama Torah, you know, attached to it. And um, like a, what we would call a Jewish family services where they, you know, are feeding the kids under five. But it's nothing like we're used to here in Canada. It's really third world. And, um, but they're, it's, you know, they're, they're just like us, you know, they, they are really the lost tribe and you see it, you see, they are real, you know, real, real Jews, just like us. It's just so amazing. You know, they don't look like us, but they're exactly like us inside and out, you know, and it's, um, and, and their belief and their faith and their desire to come home to Jerusalem is, is, it's phenomenal. You know, we say it at Pesach, you know, next next year in Jerusalem, but they say it every day and every hour and every minute of their lives. I want to bring in Sarah for a minute. Tell me, did you get to actually do anything with uh, some of the um, uh, people that were on this flight to talk to them, sing with them? Tell me some stories. So I, I'll take it back to Gondar, where the synagogue that Candace just spoke about was we went into their homes and it's not a home like you and I would think of a home. It's a room with four people living in there. And some of them have been living in this room for eight years, waiting for the ability to come to Israel to be reunited with their families. I spoke with a man on the plane today who has been waiting 23 years to see his parents. And I said to him, so did you call your mother and tell her you're coming? He said, no, I'm, I've been waiting too long. 
I'm waiting until I land in Israel to say, mom, I'm home. And that just hit me so hard. I'm going to break right now. The other thing that was so incredible was we had the opportunity on the plane to sit right beside all these Olim. And even though there was a language barrier. I mean, they don't speak English and except for the Shalom and Israel and Yerushalayim, there's not too much Hebrew, but they speak. But I sat beside a mother with two young boisterous kids. And of course we could bond over keeping kids happy on an airplane for five hours and the video screens weren't working. So they were crawling all over me and crawling all over her. Can you explain, uh, maybe Ariel, you want to give me a story and also uh, Candace, some of the stories that you saw of, you know, uh, just uh, hardship, because I know the country's in the middle of a civil war and we forget about that, but it's been going on. What did you see, if anything, and how did it impact these lives of the people you met? Anyone? There are a thousand Jews in the area that is part of the civil war and that area is blocked and those people cannot come to Gondar or Addis. Um, so we had no connection with those people. But as Sarah was talking about in Gondar, it, it, it really was a phenomenal experience to see how these people are living and to see the volume of people at the at synagogue services all praying and living for that dream of coming to, to Israel, it really was overwhelming. It wasn't like anything that I had ever pictured. When we talked about um, Jaffe providing nutrition for pregnant women and nursing women, we were you're talking about a fire pit with logs that that's how they're being fed that is the community center and as Candace said it which dirt floors tin roofs uh it's um animals are just you know straying by it's a it's living in biblical times in some respects and so when we saw the faces of the people on the flight you could see the excitement and the trepidation at the same time for very obvious reasons. And all these, you know, you saw, I think the youngest on the plane was one month old and the oldest was 80 uh, something. So it was multi-generational. I think we should also point out the sacrifices that are being made in order to ultimately come to Israel. Uh, the, the, um, four people that were living in one room that we referred to earlier that we visited, they were paying rent of $32 a month. These people don't have that kind of income. Money was being sent by the son from Israel in order for the mother and the grandchildren to be able to survive until it was their turn to come to Israel. Uh, there isn't regular jobs other than police officers and, and the like. Now, this you're saying hardship. Um, this is a transit camp that they're in or where did they come from and how did they get to the airport? But the, these aren't transit camps. They are just people have come from villages and, and taken rooms and facilities. Some of the facilities are tremendously primitive. The ones that we saw, there were even more primitive. What does that look like? Tell me what it smells like. What does it look like? It's there's one bed in the room that the in the house we went to the matriarch would sleep in. Um, and then underneath there were sleeping underneath her bed were sleeping bags that got pulled out for three people to sleep on the floor. There was one chair in the room beside the chair was a gas stove. And so 
the mother, the, the matriarch of the family had a cell phone. So, and that's how she was communicating with her son who lived in Israel, who was sending money. And I said, well, you have a cell phone through translation. How are you charging it? And the grandson took me outside, pointed to the roof, climbed up to the roof and showed me that there was a solar panel to charge the phone there because they don't have electricity. The bathroom, you couldn't call a bathroom. It's one room. It's a hole in the, in the floor and a bucket beside it so you could stand on the side to pour water that had been gathered to wash yourself. Did any of you bring anything with you to give to them from Canada or anywhere or, or that you gave over? Um, Sarah, you're smiling. I'm smiling because we were actually told not to. Uh, they felt that that just encouraged not just the children who we were visiting, but other neighborhood children to come and beg. And they specifically told us not to. Once we were on the plane, I can tell you, we had bags of books of stickers and bags of candy to entertain the children for hours. And I, for one, had my entire face covered by the children with stickers. So it kept them happy since the TV screens weren't working. I don't know what's going to happen with the sugar rush. Uh, they fall down from the sugar rush, but, uh, you know, <laughs> small what price to pay, candy? I think. What kind of candy yeah. do you bring specifically? Lollipops, chewy candy. I mean, I, I, I hope that uh, some of our money's helping to pay for dentistry work as well <laughs> after that. Did any of you want to just share another uh, impression story? I think uh, maybe I'll start. When we were landing, we were singing the words to a very well-known song, and it was the most poignant words were Shevet Achim Gam Yachad. We are all, putting it basically, we are all together from one tribe. And really as Jews across the world, but certainly across Canada, this is our tribe, the Jewish people. And these young faces that we saw on the plane are the future of Israel. And by supporting them, we're helping Jews all over the world. And maybe I could just add, I would say that I mean, it's nothing short of miraculous when you hear where they've come from to, to where they are now, literally, you know, hours ago. By the way, Israel has asked the Jewish federations in North America to raise nearly $10 million to help pay for the Ethiopian airlift. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality and customer care. The holiday of Shavuot ends Monday night, so we'll be back on Tuesday with a new show. Meanwhile, today's listener shout-out goes to Samantha Dillon in North Bay, Ontario. And we'll end with this tribute to the late Joseph Siegel of Vancouver. By the way, he used to call me occasionally and discuss things relating to my book or about Jewish military history, and it was an honour to know him. Here's a clip of Siegel on his 90th birthday talking to a BC business interviewer. Life is a runway. God puts you on the runway when you're born. He takes you off the runway when you die. Some people have a longer runway, some people have a shorter runway. What you do the what you do with the runway, that's up to you, not God. So you don't look back. You live in the present. You look to the future. I still have a lot of things to do in my life. And God willing, I'll get them done. I love life. That's the key. Thank you.